Welcome to Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. I am your host, Marjorie Frymouth. Welcome to today's episode. How are you doing? That's my flight attendant voice, which I used to do as a teacher sometimes to make the students laugh. (laughs) Anyway, um, as I'm recording this, it is the just after the first week of September, and things are starting to get chilly in Colorado. I am looking forward to fall here in America because for the past three three years, I was in Taiwan for fall, and fall doesn't really exist there (laughs) in the sense of coziness and sweaters and, yes, pumpkin spice lattes and all of that. It basically just goes from, like, blistering hot humidity to Uh, slightly chilly once you hit about November, December. So I'm really looking forward to the season and the festivity of fall here. By the time you are listening to this, I will be well into my cross-country road trip, but right now it is two days away, so we are furiously packing and getting the VW bus ready for the the road, um, stocking up on food and all of that stuff, and I'm excited. I cannot wait to set out and just be seeing new things and, you know, stopping whenever there's a cool sign to see something awesome in America. So I am really pumped for this road trip and um, cannot wait to get started. But today we are not talking about America at all. We are talking about Europe. So I got a comment fairly recently about something to do with the Schengen visa and the consequences of actually overstaying that visa, but I wanted to talk about Schengen a little bit more because it's a really interesting international agreement and it does affect travelers quite a bit. So today we are talking about the Schengen area. I always call it the Schengen zone, but I think it's technically called the Schengen area. And most of this info came from my own experience um, and the BBC travel article and also a website called Schengen Visa Info. So there is a lot of information out there. This is just going to give you a little bit of a taster of what it is and how it can affect your travel within Europe um, if you are not a European. (laughs) Um, Again, I'm always speaking as an American, someone who can enter Europe visa-free when it's not COVID times and we're not banned for our poor COVID response in America. But that's a whole other topic. Um, This is just generally... Uh, speaking as someone who holds a passport that allows you to travel to Europe fairly easily. So in a general sense, what is the Schengen area? You may never have heard of this word before. That is totally fine. This is going to be your primer. I would say that most European countries have this agreement for open borders so you can travel freely between them without showing your passport, without going through passport control, getting a stamp, all of that. That's sort of my boiled down, distilled definition of the the Schengen area. But technically, the Schengen area signifies a zone where 26 European countries abolished their internal borders for the free and unrestricted movement of people in harmony with common rules for controlling external borders and fighting criminality by strengthening the common judicial system and police cooperation. That is a mouthful. That is from the Schengen Visa Info site. So as that definition mentioned, it is 26 European countries, and there is a great deal of overlap with the countries in the EU. Most of the countries in the EU are part of Schengen and vice versa, but not 100%. So, for example, Ireland is part of the EU, but it's not part of the Schengen area, which is why when I was trying to do a visa run from Ireland, I was able to go to Denmark, which is part of the Schengen area. And 
from my understanding, the reason that Ireland is not part of Schengen, they have expressed interest in joining in the past, but they actually have an agreement with the UK for open borders, um, especially because Northern Ireland is part of the UK. So it's really convenient to have these two bordering countries on the same island be able to have open borders and not have passport control between them. So that is the priority for Ireland is maintaining this open border agreement with the UK. The UK does not want to be part of Schengen. Um, and so if Ireland joined, that would mean that people could travel visa-free to Ireland and then enter Northern Ireland and then enter um the UK mainland all without showing their passport and the UK is not down with that. So Ireland has not joined as part of Schengen. And then for another example, Norway, Switzerland and Liechtenstein are all part of Schengen, but they are not part of the EU. And then some other countries, Bulgaria, Croatia, Cyprus and Romania, and I believe some others are all legally obligated to join the Schengen. They have, um, I don't know, signed something or created some agreements in the past that said they will join the Schengen area, but that keeps getting postponed and delayed for many reasons, but among them concerns about those countries enforcing their external borders, so the borders that are not part of the Schengen area, um, they need to make sure that those are up to par, up to snuff before they can join this area and have open borders with the rest of these countries. So it's all about making sure that like the outside border of this area is really secure so that the inside borders can be totally open um, and no, no worries there. And just to give a little bit of history of this, because I am really into history, I think it's super interesting. Uh, Post-World War II, Belgium, the Netherlands, and Luxembourg joined together to create Benelux, which you may have heard of before. I love that uh, name that they all chose. And that was a trade and customs agreement and just sort of like an idea that we we are friends, we are working together. There's mutual cooperation between these three countries. In 1957, the Treaty of Rome created the European Economic Community, known as the EEC, which was a customs union of six member states, the Benelux countries, plus West Germany, France, and Italy. So now we have this EEC, which is a customs agreement between these countries. By the 1980s, there were now 10 members of the EEC, and they sort of realized that The border checks, even though they weren't doing extensive border checks between these countries, even something really minimal was causing like unnecessary delays and red tape and everything with efficient trade. Um, So some of these countries said like, hey, let's just abolish our border checks. But not all of the members wanted these open borders. So the five that did decided to create their own little club, their own little new policy for open borders. And... Schengen, which is a place in Luxembourg, was the only place where France and Germany both join with a Benelux member. It's sort of like the only place where there was um, touching, (laughs) does that make sense, where there was a shared border between all of these countries. And so that is why they chose it as the signing place for this meeting and also the name for the agreement, because it represented the coming together of all of these countries. 
And then, as is the case with many international agreements and meetings and policies, they had to make it as neutral as possible. So the representatives representatives of these countries gathered on a boat that was moored as close as possible to the tri-point border, which runs down the middle of the Moselle River. I hope I'm saying that correct. M O S E L L E, the Moselle River. They they put their boat as close as they could to the middle of the river to make sure that everything was as equal and fair as possible, which is adorable, I think.、Um, but at the time, it actually wasn't that important of an agreement or of a meeting. It didn't attract much international attention, and the other members of the EEC, those countries that didn't want to join, didn't believe it would succeed, and it was a really experimental agreement at this point. But clearly, I would say it's been a wild success. I mean, speaking as someone who doesn't understand all the bureaucratic intricacies of it all, and someone who doesn't live in a Schengen area country, but I think it's been a wild success、uh, because it's just continued to grow over the years.、Um, Politics still largely determine who can join, and new members have to be unanimously voted in,、uh, which has been sort of the problem with the case of like Bulgaria and Romania and Croatia. And the last country to join the Schengen area was Liechtenstein in 2011. And this has really made things easier for people living in those countries. I mean, this is one thing that's really hard for. Citizens of large countries to grasp, like if you're from America or Canada or I'm going to say Australia, but Australia is an island, so it has its own thing going on.、Um, the idea that countries are so small and so close together. It's sort of the idea with states in America. Like, imagine if each state was a separate country, and you had to go through passport control every time you drove through a different state. That would be such a headache. So that's sort of the same idea with this Schengen area: is that you can, you know, tr- you can drive, you can travel for several hours and enter a new country, and. You just drive in or fly in. You don't have to do anything、um, unnecessary. You don't have to bring your passport to go on like a five-hour road trip. So it means that it's really easy for people to visit friends, visit family over the borders, go shopping. One funny thing I read was that it's easy to nip into Luxembourg to take advantage of the country's relatively low tax on fuel. So if different countries have different prices for gasoline or I don't know alcohol or like any of the other things that. Are commonly talked about being taxed.、Um, yeah, it makes it just really easy to take advantage of those things. But in terms of travelers entering from outside of the Schengen area, how does that affect us, all of us who are not blessed to grow up in Europe?、Um, so generally, the idea of a Schengen visa, instead of getting a visa for one specific country, you get what is. Just generally a Schengen visa because you can travel to all of these countries, and so if you can enter visa free like Americans can, you are allowed to spend 90 days in the Schengen area within a 180 day period. Now that's something that sounds really confusing and can be really confusing when you're trying to figure it out. It's actually pretty simple though.、Um, so within 180 days, about six months. You can stay for ninety days. It doesn't have to be consecutive. You could go and spend like two weeks in France, and then fly to a non-Schengen country, and then re-enter again, knowing that you've already used up fourteen days of your ninety days. But one hundred and eighty days after your first entry into the Schengen area, that clock resets, and you're allowed to have another ninety days. 
Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Um, it's actually not that complicated. It's just all of the numbers and dates and leaving and coming back and everything can make it a little convoluted. But if you're not entering visa free, if you do need like a student visa or a work visa or you just don't have a passport that allows you visa free travel, then you do have to apply to a consulate for your visa and you're supposed to apply to the consulate for the country in which you're going to spend the most amount of time. Like if you're going to go to school in Spain or something, you should apply for your visa with the Spanish consulate, obviously. But you still have the right to travel freely among all of the Schengen countries, which is very cool. <laughs> I'm all about freedom of travel, obviously. I do want to mention briefly, even though this is not specific to the Schengen area, about overstaying a visa, because that was the context in which this uh, comment was originally brought up about Schengen. Um you should never, ever, ever overstay a visa. I'm just going to say that up front. There are lots of penalties. You could be banned from countries, you know, temporarily or for life, maybe. I don't know. Um, within Schengen, the member states all have their own policies and punishments for overstaying. So there's no one specific rule. Um, in general, I've heard that Germany is super strict about it. Greece is known for having very high fines for overstaying. So it does depend what country um, catches you <laughs> when you are overstaying or what country you're in. You could be deported. You know, if they catch you and you're not leaving, um, it's not in the process of, of leaving the country at the airport, then you could be deported back to your home country. You could be banned from re-entering. It could be for three years. It could be for longer. Being banned is most common when you were doing something illegal in the country. It could have just been working. If you were working illegally without a visa or engaging in other illegal activities, you might be banned. Usually you will just get a fine, uh, which is still not great. You don't want a fine. And even if you don't get banned or fined, you will probably get extreme questioning the next time you try to enter the country. You know, the border control agent, the passport agent um, is probably going to be a little bit suspicious and rightly so about letting you in if you overstayed previously. Now, confession time. I have overstayed a Schengen visa before. <laughs> even though I said never overstay a visa. I was young and a novice traveler, and I didn't understand the consequences of my actions. When I was studying abroad in Vienna, I had a student visa, and because I had to apply for that, I had to give them all the paperwork about the semester that I was going to be there for, so my visa was only good right up until the semester ended, maybe like a day or two after. I really liked living in Vienna. I really enjoyed Austria and I wanted to stay longer. And instead of trying to do something legally, which in my mind at that point was just a lot of paperwork because I didn't understand visa processes or how I could do it or anything like that, I thought, hey, I'm just going to stay. Like no one has asked to see my visa the whole time I've been here. What does it really matter? I didn't realize that they obviously check your passport when you're leaving the country or leaving the Schengen area and all of that. Even even if they the border agent happened to not notice the dates, it's all recorded in the system because they scan your passport. Um, and I just got incredibly, incredibly lucky and they didn't say anything to me. Uh, I overstayed, I want to say by like a few weeks, probably at least two weeks which which is fairly substantial. I mean, that's not long-term, but that's more than just like making a mistake, you know, with a day or 72 hours or something. That was like 
intentional. <laughs> um, and they just didn't say anything. And I've since traveled back to Europe and no one has ever called me on it. So I am so grateful. I got very lucky. I did not understand the potential consequences of what I was doing. And I do not recommend it. Do not do that. So the Schengen area is this really remarkable agreement, arrangement that makes travel so much easier when you are in Europe. It's amazing. So I just want to talk for a minute about how it affects travel or travelers from outside of this area. Again, um, you get your visa-free travel entry. If you are eligible for that, you can stay for 90 days within a 180-day period um, and travel around, see you know as many countries as you want that are part of that area of those 26 countries. The problem is it means that you can't spend as much time in Europe as you could if they each allowed their own 90-day visa-free or tourist visa. This is something that has frustrated me a lot because you get 90 days for the whole area, whereas if they did have closed borders, you could spend 90 days in Germany, 90 days in Czech Republic, you know, and then have a lot more time. Um, Also, if you're in a country, if they allowed visa runs, like leave the country and come back with a new tourist visa or visa-free stamp in your passport, um, it would be a lot easier. But because they're all part of this agreement, you can't do visa runs as easily to a different country. And also the Schengen area does not allow visa runs, so don't try it. Um, Even if you leave the Schengen area, um, again, you can't come back unless it fits into your 90 days. So don't try it. But I'm just saying that if they did have closed borders, it might be easier to stay for a longer period of time. And even though they do have these open borders, that's the whole point, the individual countries do reserve the right to institute border checks to put in their own border controls depending on any situation, you know, political situation, whatever. And this has been happening more often in recent years with various immigration controversies and perceived problems and, you know, people trying to enter countries and all of that. Uh, So, for example, I was traveling between Sweden and Denmark in 2016, and my passport was checked on the train, um, despite both of those being Schengen countries. And I didn't get a stamp. You know, they're not doing, like, official border control. They didn't stamp anything, but they did check my passport. And then due to COVID in the last couple years, almost all of the Schengen countries have set up their own border controls to some degree, but... You know, we're all we're all trying to sort of stem the flow of travel due to COVID. Um, And so they have set up their own uh, checkpoints for that. And so finally, what I want to close out with is that the Schengen area is remarkable. It was the first of its kind. You know, it was this experimental agreement that was not expected to succeed, but has really revolutionized travel and I'm, I'm guessing trade and things like that within Europe, although I definitely cannot speak to that. Um, and what I was saying before about just ease of travel for European citizens who are part of the Schengen area, just being able to like pop over the border, because again, these countries, a lot of these countries are very, very small. So it's similar to just, you know, spending a day, a couple days traveling in the US and you cross through multiple states. Um, now you can do that in Europe too. And I can't even imagine the hassle of trying to travel quite a bit in Europe if there were these, you know, passport controls, border checks and all of that. So it really is a special agreement. I was going to say unique, but it's not unique. And that's what I'm talking about right now. There are other areas of the world that have instituted these similar agreements to the Schengen zone or Schengen area. 
There is what's called a mini Schengen area, which is an economic zone between Serbia, Albania, and North, North Macedonia and Kosovo. Uh, there's a Central America Four Border Control Agreement, which is a boundary treaty in Central America. There is a common travel area, which is open borders between the UK, Ireland, the Isle of Man, and the Channel Islands. So that's what I was talking about before, this open border agreement, generally between the UK and Ireland, although <laughs> there are those others um, thrown in there as well. And then the tra Trans-Tasman Travel Agreement. Ooh, say that three times fast. Trans-Tasman Travel Agreement which is the arrangement between Australia and New Zealand for, I believe, um, open borders traveling between those two countries. So it is uh, special. It was the first of its kind, but the Schengen area is not unique any longer in the world. And, you know, I'm all for safety and I'm all for um, countries protecting themselves and, you know, generally knowing where people are in terms of like checking passports and things like that. But I am all for ease of travel and as much as possible opening borders and letting people cross because we're all citizens of the world, not to get super <laughs> philosophical or whatever, but I think the more that we can open the borders and let people travel and let people move and let people meet each other and experience the world, I think that is a wonderful, beautiful thing and we should try to do more of it. So, that was your quick little primer on the Schengen area. I would love to hear if anyone has any travel experiences with Schengen or with any of these other agreements that I just mentioned. Have you found travel to be as smooth as it should be within these areas? Or have you had problems with border control? Have you ever overstayed a visa like I have? What was your experience with that? Oh my gosh. Um, you can send any of those stories or questions to goingoutyourdoortravel at gmail.com. As always, find me on Instagram and Facebook at Going Out Your Door. If you follow me now, you will probably get some fun road trip content. Um, as when this episode releases, I will be in the midst of my cross-country road trip. There's going to be some train travel. I'm not 100% sure exactly where I'm going right now just because of COVID and I want to stick to be the, you know, the safest areas as possible um, and be as responsible as I possibly can. But again, on Instagram, Going Out Your Door. Also on Twitter at Going Out Your Door. And I cannot wait to talk to you next time on Going Out Your Door. Mm -hmm.